When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. We are... Inching closer to Minneapolis and Nebraska opening up the college football season against uh, the Fighting Flex. Can join us this morning, as always, as we get going. Uh, We should just say 7.50 Saturday mornings instead of 7.45. We can be able to do that. (laughs) And uh, check us out on the stream. The Hale Varsity YouTube channel is where you go. Also, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio, KFOR, Facebook, KFOR, at KFOR Radio. Twitter is where you go. Fellas, uh, big scrimmage going on this morning. Uh, it'll be uh, the first of the, uh, the the fall camp scrimmage. Uh, maybe some drama uh, after the scrimmage addressed by Coach Rule. We'll see. Drama being there's uh, some rumors flying around from yesterday to to this morning on uh, maybe the availability or whereabouts of a player. So that'll get touched on or addressed uh, we, possibly. We, we probably shouldn't mention Xavier Betts name then, right? Like, let's just stay away from that. We don't want to feed the rumor mill by saying that it's Xavier Betts that may or may not be around. We don't want to do that. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't know what, uh, what type of response you want from me on that one? Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to go. The Nebraska Sportscaster of the Year is not going to go there. He's like, listen, I need verified sources before I go and put my reputation and name on the line. I am not the Nebraska Sportscaster of the Year, <laughs> nor am I up for it. So hmm? we'll just go ahead and say that Xavier Betts is that's the rumor, but hmm? we're couch- it's a rumor. It's a, we're couching it as a rumor. We're not saying it's a thing we're saying mm-hmm. it's maybe a thing and, and two maybe. things are true either matt rule will address said rumor at the presser following the scrimmage yep. today or one of the uh, great media members that cover nebraska will ask him i am sure about the xavier bet situation so one way or another i think we're gonna get some clarity there's not all that much more to say about that the rumor mill's been swirling i don't think anyone can confirm anything right now matt rule is the man that's going to be able to do that and he's going to be meeting with the media a little bit later mm-hmm. this morning yeah, exactly. And th- future Nebraska sportscaster of the year, right there, letting us know Elijah Herbal. Yes. Yeah. Now, this is... isolate that, submit that for your uh, submission to see if you're. Yeah. This this is a thing. This is a thing, though. Uh, the Nebraska wide receiver room, mm-hmm. and it is, it is thin, <laughs> or it feels thin, less than, uh, I don't know, less less than three weeks till the season. Uh, yeah. And that's a, a spot that you're wondering what 
what type of performance can they help give an offense that there's a lot of question marks. There's also a lot of promise with uh, when we talk about the outlook and season. So, guys, how's the week been? What's uh, the good word? How uh, how anxious are you? Quinnack, are your bags packed for Minneapolis yet? Mine are not. Not quite yet. I don't have enough underwear to last me from now until then, you know. I got to gotta wait a little bit. Yeah. You you're uh, you're opposed to going commando. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. Otherwise I'm going commando probably, I don't know, T plus 14 days from now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that. Well, speaking of like that's like the little things that. that like are on my list this weekend as I look ahead when football season going gets commando? Going... No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> little things? That... Elijah. You are <laughs> Elijah. Okay, I swear at 17 ads, there's, there's things that you can do to change that. <laughs> I was talking about like little things like yeah. making sure I have enough underwear to make it through football season and socks and going and buying out some new pairs of shoes. The type of things that once football season rolls around, my weekends get crazy because you get Saturday Husker game day all day. Yeah. On Sunday, I could go do things, but I could also just be parked on my couch watching NFL Sunday ticket, which is the more likely option. So I'm trying to like figure out some things to get done on the weekend, some little mini projects that I can do now that I won't have time to do once fall rolls around. So that's where I'm at right now. Other than that, ready to talk some football. We got some some prop bets, Schmitty, that I'm not quite sure if uh, are widely available. I'm not sure if they're available down at the, uh, the sportsbook uh, here in Lincoln, but they are available and out there. I think there's some some good pieces of conversation there just in terms of what Vegas expects for Nebraska this upcoming football season and and how accurate we think some of those numbers are going to be. Because there's some interesting lines and kind of some lines that we've talked about in roundabout ways on this show before. And we appreciate you salvaging in. that yesterday too. Just, just a real quick little behind-the-scenes action. Appreciate you salvaging that, uh, that idea because you, you floated that. Chris floated the prop bets via text yesterday, mm-hmm. right? Um, problem is, is Chris's screenshotting skills, okay? No, so, no, no, like, no. Those no, were no, sent I, let me to me. Those were sent okay. to me, and I forwarded them to you. Okay, well, but here's you're what gonna, really happened. You, you're going to drive the bus over me. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to point the finger <laughs> to the guy who sent the screenshot to me, okay. uh, one Elijah Herbal. So, uh, do you may run over us with the bus oh, this morning, okay. but do not hit reverse and back <laughs> over us anymore. Well, well, here's how it came across. All right. Okay. Here's how it came across: is older guy uh, of the pair of Elijah and Chris <laughs> forwards on the prop bets to the folks. Who it's are all go, about hey, accountability about tomorrow. It's all it's all yeah. about accountability this morning. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it's a simple, you know, it's like it's a two column thing, right? On the left side are like the bets, like like what is the prop, and then over on the side are the odds. The the right? bets. The, no the no screen... pun intended on a Saturday morning, right? The bets. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. That should be a prop bet. For it, it could last about two hours. Um, so Chris sends out the screenshot with just the left side without the odds. There's no like data. It's just like here's the category. You're on your own to figure. And then Elijah follows up shortly, and he's like, "And here's one where you could actually see <laughs> <laughs> the point of the document. Here you go." And it's like, "Thanks, Elijah. Thanks, Elijah. We'll teach Chris how to do some screenshotting." But now so- that I know. With the screenshot, really it'd be really nice yeah. to be able to to get all of those. We have the oh, here we I, go. You know, I wonder if I could even present those here on this. Uh, like yeah. it, on the podcast, you won't be able to hear it, but if you're watching live or tape delayed on uh, on YouTube, we could probably show yeah. what those prop bets are. 
I love how grainy it is too. It looks like somebody actually physically shot a screen with their camera. I believe that's what happened, right? Because there's some like wavy lines going on. It's not like a high res situation that we're dealing with here. Uh, let me see if I can pull those up. But I have to like transfer it to my email. I'm working on it right here, folks. So I'll I'll help everybody out and say what the hell's the prop bet? Okay, so so here's one prop bet for Nebraska. Where are you going? Uh, and how are you leaning? Nebraska not ranked in the AP regular season only. It's all 12 games on the schedule. It's just a simple yes or no, minus 155. Explain uh, what that means, minus 155. Well, I think to win 100 bucks, you, uh, to, to, um, you have to risk $155 to, to win Is that how it goes? Is that how it works, Elijah? You have to risk, uh, uh, if you're minus 155, you have to risk 155 to win 100 should you uh, your bet hit. Yes, right. Yep. Okay. The, the, so you put in 155. If you're right, you get 100 on top. You, you win 100 bucks. If you're wrong, mm-hmm. you lose 155. Okay. Right. Thank you. The Thank big, you for explaining as that. they call it. And the yeah. other side uh, is yeah. then if you, if you're plus 115, a $100 wager will win you 115. dollars mm-hmm. The odds are more of a long shot, right? Yes. Okay. If, if you're plus okay. money. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> Elijah's. No, it was funny. Just quick little story as far as wagering and the sports book elijah getting in the the elijah mobile and tootling on down to the sports book the weekend of the bud crawford fight and <laughs> oh elijah's What'd like you put down I'm, I'm putting money down on bud and he's like i'm putting money down on who did you bet on you had a you had the mother of all all parlays it made the adams you, oh you did a part like yeah. with the undercard? No, no, with the UFC fights that were also that night. So whenever Schmitty came over, we had the two uh, okay. screen action going, and I'm stressed about two fights going on at once. And we were great up until uh, the last fight, how it always goes. Right. And uh. and kind of like the Adam Sandler movie where he had what was the uh it was recently Sandler was this gambling guy and huh. he he was there and he hit the parlay but then he got killed in the end so it didn't uh, it didn't matter uh shoot that, that was one i'll have to ask sharpie about that that was one of sharpie's favorite movies um anywho yeah. speaking of bud crawford parlay. by the way parade no we're gonna see if we can obfuscate and delay as long as we can get to the point it's like a tease uh bud crawford today parade, parade. in omaha yes. yeah from like that's 10, awesome by the way they're going like seven blocks and it's 10 to noon and i'm like He's faster than that. Okay, so what's going on here? Like, when does Bud actually show up? I think what they're doing is they're bringing in, like, drum majors and, like, you know, mm-hmm. dancers and the whole nine. So And, and it ends at the, the newly refurbished Gene Leahy Mall in downtown mm-hmm. Omaha. Um, but, like, 10 to noon, and they're going to have food trucks and all that. And thinking about going. Might have to go to see the champ, you know? He's awesome. Take the boy, see the champ. Not bad. Had a morning show appearance bud did with cbs this morning like national sit down he was on i think wednesday of this week so getting some pub it was really awesome back to the prop bets for nebraska points Mm -hmm. scored man uh, season can we just stop for a second and 340 sure yeah i mean look at that let's appreciate this graphic look at that thing man who designed this you know like Whoever it was did a hell of a job. Look at that red line right down the middle, right? 
I mean, it's this impressive. is just impressive. And and the fact that the the numbers are pretty much illegible over on the right. Let, let's you know, see if I can just figure... add a little little intrigue Mystery. to it all. Yeah, this is great. Nope. Well, oh well. Well, if you're just listening and not watching, you made a good decision. <laughs> I'll just tell you that. <laughs> you made a good decision because this, I don't even know what the hell. Okay. Now, okay. Now we can see it a little bit. Now we can see it. Elijah did some zoom action. This is good. Um, all right. So Nebraska ranked in the AP. Mm. Nebraska ranked in the AP. So if it's, it's at plus 115, and then it's also at minus 155. This is what I don't get. What does that freaking mean? So I put in $100. Uh-huh. And if they are ranked in the AP, hey. I win 15 bucks. Is that it? You win 100 you win your money back plus 115. Okay, and then if I put in $100 on Nebraska not 155 oh, okay. no, on no, no, Nebraska no. not being ranked in the AP if they're never ranked, then you'll get your back your 155 plus 100 on top of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. Weird. Uh, something about that doesn't compute right with me, but, uh, you know. Anyway, this is what I was, I was, I've been thinking about because we were talking with Danny yesterday, and I'm trying to think, if Nebraska does make it into the AP Top 25 this year, how does it happen? And the main way that I see this happening, one, a 4-0 start. Yep. A 4 0 start Michigan. gets you into the top 25 before you inevitably play Michigan, and who knows how that's going to go. But I think that's the main way. And there's going to be hype. And if you. Yeah, that'll, that'll, yeah, that'll be hype there. And yeah. then if you chalk up that Michigan game as a loss, assuming you don't make it in before that, if you're 3 and 1 heading into that Michigan game, I look ahead further in the schedule, and I think your next best chance is should you beat Wisconsin, depending on how their season goes, following the Michigan State and the Maryland game. There's there's limited chances mm-hmm. for Nebraska to make it up into the top 25, and it either takes a 4-0 start or a flurry of a finish. Here's, here's, yeah. here's another little sprinkling of opportunity. You can start unbeaten like you're talking about, okay? And you have a chance to beat Michigan. You don't. But say it's one of those down-to-the-wire games. And it's one of those, hey, it just didn't happen for Nebraska. Your next game is going to be at Illinois on a short week. Mm. So say you're 4-1 and one going into Illinois and you survive that. You head into your bye week at 5-1. and one. You're ranked. Absolutely. Short week because that's a Friday. Is that a Friday this year? It's a Friday. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so Nebraska's I think got it, a Thursday game and a Friday game this year. Yep. And I think if I think if you are at the almost midway point, or after the first week of October at, at five and one, make mm-hmm. that four and one. Excuse me, four and one. I think you're ranked. I think if you win, if you go three and one in November, to your point, Elijah. You head into the bowl season ranked. Those those are those are a few different ways, because right now with the uh, coaches poll that came out, you've got Iowa receiving votes, Minnesota, Maryland, about everybody. Even Purdue has a couple. KU Lance Leipold has some receiving votes, but Nebraska not even sniffing uh, where they're at and. I kind of get that just because of, of how unknown this year. You have points scored. You have passing touchdowns. You have rushing touchdowns. You have Let's go there. Let's go individual, there. Let's go 
yeah. individual rushing. Uh, yep. You also have team sacks. Yep. I love that. Which is a little higher than I thought it'd be. Uh, 25, 25 and a half. Yep. But let's go back to the points scored one. So 340 points for the season mm-hmm. in a 12-game schedule. So it doesn't include bowl. Quick math, 28.3 points a game is what they're That'd setting the so line nice. For frame of reference, Nebraska has not been north of 28 points a game since 2018. Mm-hmm. Scott Frost's <clears throat> debut year, he was at 30. Last year, 22.5 points a game. Year before that, just shy, 27.9. Year before that, 23.1. Year before that, 28. So it, it's been 2018 since Nebraska achieved more than 28 points per game. So that's that's showing a little bit of bullishness, I guess, on what the Matt Rule offense will be in the, uh, in the uh, debut season here. We're going to get Brandon Vogel's take on this as he'll join us in a moment, weekend edition. Gary Sharp also coming up. The rushing yards is pretty interesting. Uh, By an individual, at, right? Well, I think you can do you can look at team total, uh, and and also there's the uh, the passing touchdowns, right? Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's rushing touchdowns. Yes, and that's passing 19, touchdowns. Nineteen and a half and eighteen and a half, respectively. No, 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 Listen, no, no, no. Uh, 21 and a half on the rushing touchdowns, 19 and a half on the passing touchdowns. And then we have most rushing yards by any individual Husker set at 799 and a half. So does any Husker right. running back eclipse 800 yards rushing this season? That's big. That's hmm. big. We'll uh, 21 and a half. There's, there's some math that's not checking out here, by the way. I think we <laughs> might, I think we might be able to win our people some money here. Hold on a second. So they're saying, no. So they're saying twenty-one and a half is the line for rushing touchdowns. Yes, right. I think it's fair to just tack on the extra point, right? So twenty-one and a half times seven. Yep. Yeah. So that's so that's two hundred fifty-eight points, right? Two hundred fifty-eight points. So then you go to the passing touchdowns, and that's nineteen and a half. Yep. Correct. So quick math: nineteen and a half. Times 12. Now we are at 234. What is 234 plus 258, you ask? Hell of a lot more than 340, huh? Right? So what can we glean from that? That's that's 492 points. And we're not even talking field goals yet. I mean, Tristan Alvano. The line for that is 18 and a half on the season. Thunderleg over here. 18 and a half field goals? Yep. Okay, so hold on. Remember this number, 492. Got it. And then 19 and a half for for Tristan Alvano. 18 and a half. 18 and a half. Oh, crap. Okay. I'll have to do a little. So that's 55.5. 55.5 plus 492. Yep. What they're really saying Nebraska is going to score this year. So now you're at 550 and a half divided by 12. That's 45.9 points per game. So, so our betting insider advice, take the under on either rushing touchdowns or passing touchdowns or maybe both. That's the insider uh-huh. betting advice. I, Brandon, let's figure – Brandon Vogel has slid in. If you're not uh, watching, you, you, would, you would not have known this because he did so quietly. So if you're just listening, 
Brandon has slid onto the screen here and he has joined us and he is a master statistician among other things, managing editor. Okay. So here are the prop bets. You, you might not be able to actually see them on the screen. Brand, we, we ran out of uh, graphic design money and this is all we could come up with. It's a screenshot literally of another, like somebody took a picture and then uploaded this, but that's what we're going with. So they're saying that Nebraska here, here is the bet for, uh, for points per game essentially is 28.3, right? 28.3 is what the total is. But then we break it out into the piece parts, what we just did, rushing touchdowns, passing touchdowns, field goals. You're at 45.9 points per game if, you, if those lines hold. Using your statistician brain, what does that mean? How do we win some money on this thing? Because those things do not equate in any way. No, um, and you're on the right track. Like anytime you are presented with kind of a, a list of season over-unders, yep. you've got to look at how it fits together. <laughs> like mm -hmm. if you just treat them as each an individual proposition of like, yeah, I think you'll be over 28 points a game, sure. Um, well, and you're going to bet multiple of these. You got to make sure you got to make sure it makes sense. So Elijah sent me this list last night. How do you make money here? Um, yeah. Well, one, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> because the the odds here um you're getting you're getting juiced both ways on most of these minus the the ap ranking where you can get plus 115 um but for me i think the best bet of this and you guys i don't even know if you guys have gotten to it yet total penalty yards 499.5 brassica's been over mm. that each of the last five seasons not including 2020 because mm. they didn't play 12 games um, not only over it in the last five, over 608 of 11 Big Ten seasons. That rule was over 600 all three years at Baylor. Mm. Like, okay, 499.5, and you know, I'm trying to figure out what the trap is here. Feels feels low uh, to me, and I usually mm. don't have those ones where I'm just like, yeah, that that seems off because I, I trust the algorithms and and the bookmakers to be smarter than I am, but. That's the one that jumped out to me that I would take. Um, hmm. Rushing TDs is probably a better bet to me to go over than passing TDs. Since best best season, and granted he dealt with injuries, but even when he played that full year in 2020, which I think was 11 games for him, had 13 passing touchdowns. So I don't know. I just uh, the one that surprised me was the field goals. What do you guys feel about 18.5? Just gut reaction. It, I mean, so that's one and a half a game. It, that feels low to me. I, I, I think I, your kicker gets likely going to average two per game. I think throughout the course of a season, two field goal attempts, if not more. The question is, is, is the conversion rate? Is Alvano, if he's the guy, is he going to be able to convert at a normal clip for a, a power five division one kicker. I think that's kind of the question to me on the field goal scored. It's, it's not going to be the chances. I think you're going to have your chances to get 18 and a half. The question is, are you able to convert as a true freshman stepping in, assuming Alvano's the guy? Here, yeah. And I think here's where they came up with that number real quick. Guess how many Nebraska made last year? Just quit. Please don't look. Field goals. Yeah. I looked last night, so okay. I, I so you're disqualified. You're disqualified. I'll just nine. They had nine. nine? The year before that, nine. they made nine. The year before that, they made eight. They were eight of sixteen. 
Right? That's as many You're, times as Ferris Bueller was uh, truant during a quarter. Year before that, nine you're at times. Year before that, you're at twelve. Year they have, before they that, you're they at haven't gone over. They haven't gone over this over this number since 2015. Drew Brown. Wow, oh my God, that's a hell of a stat right there. Because 18 and a half doesn't seem like that many field goals throughout the course of a season. And Drew Brown had, he had 21 that year. He had 21, and that was that was Mike Riley's debut year. Yeah. Here, here's the thing. If you're – this sounds bad, but if you're settling for 18-and-a-half field goals, man, you are miserable, fellas, about what could have been in the red zone for you. You'll take the three, but how many of those are going to be, you know, 20 to 25-yard field goals or 30-yard field goals right, right where you're on the, the doorstep of getting six with the extra wow. point? That's your difference in – are you competing for a West title? Are you middle of the pack in the West? Or are you looking up at the West? You know what? You know what's surprising here is you, you have to go all the way back to 09. Like the high watermark since 09 was 24 field goals. So that's like Elijah, when you said two a game, that checks out just logically, right? That's just what you think. But Nebraska has not done that since 09. Right? Like, fourth that's the- a freaking long time ago. It's a really and, long time. And, 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 and a, a fourth, terrible offense. A fourth of those field goals in 09 from Alex Henry came against Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. You, you wow. Mean, so, you to... so that's actually a pretty high number then, really, if you look at Nebraska historically. Field yeah, goals I made. Just, yeah. yeah, I just pulled up nationally. 24 teams went over that, and that's that's before you remove any bowl games. So you'd only have 12 games to hit this. Um, and wow. like, yeah, because my gut reaction was too, was like, I'll feel pretty good about Nebraska's <laughs> kicker situation, but gotta, gotta dig into the, the numbers a little bit and see what's, see what's realistic here. Brandon, one of the last so, lines so that I'd like, Oh, continue Mark. I was just going to real quick say, so that's basically Vegas essentially saying they're setting the line at Nebraska being top 20 in the country in field goals made. Basically, yeah, yeah. If you're if you if you go yeah. over in that, if you got 19 after 12 games, like you're probably going to be even top 15, top 10. Um, because let's see what led the country last year. North Carolina State had 29. Michigan had 29 makes. Um, you know, Michigan played 14 games. But mm-hmm. Brandon, one of the last Don't lines say- I want to dive into here quickly is I think the line that is probably going to be. Aside from the ranking in the top 25, probably the biggest barometer for success for this Husker football team this year. That's the most rushing yards by any individual Husker set here at 799 and a half. It's an interesting line. Uh, I don't think Nebraska has been over that dating back to Divina Zigbo. Uh, You might have to check my math there, but that's the last one I found out of Nebraska running back going over 799 and a half yards. Grant went went 915 last year. That's on me. That's on me. But yep. uh, but but yep. Brandon, what's your your thoughts on that line? Does Nebraska get a running back, or I guess a quarterback as well, over seven hundred ninety nine and a half yards rushing? Yeah, my my gut reaction uh, when I first saw, looked at the number was I, I could see I could see a rusher going over that. Um, but the other thing you have to balance here is like not just okay, what what happened at Nebraska over whatever period you think is relevant. I just kind of like chose the last five seasons. Uh, again, throwing out 2020 because we didn't have enough games. Um, but I also look back at rules time at Baylor, 
which, you know, is that an accurate model for, for what Nebraska is going to be? Who knows? Neither, yeah. neither of them is perfect. Um, Rule didn't have a, a rusher go over that number at, at Baylor. And it was because, uh, you know, they, they really kind of spread the carries around, which we've heard a little bit of talk about, you know, this fall camp. And you hear talk about it every fall camp everywhere. Um, so that, that kind of becomes the one that would maybe push me to the under. Is, is there one guy here? who's going to be, I mean, we remember Anthony Grant and like, I, I felt bad for the guy by the time late October, November rolled around. Cause it was oh, like, geez. it was clear the talent was there and like, there was just no place to run, but he was what Nebraska had. They kept giving him the ball and he, he got up over 900 yards. I don't think that's going to be the case this season. Yeah. Brennan Bogle's with us weekend edition. It's hail varsity. And uh, we stream on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel and Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at H Varsity Radio. Vogues, let's dive in. And if I was having to handle a little bit of a puppy emergency in the basement, so forgive me for stepping away. Don't know if you touched on this yet or not, but just what's your feel on the receiver room here as we are two weeks away from Minnesota? We'll have some clarity on that from Coach Rule after practice with who's available, who's not. But we know guys have not been available this week. Is that a position you're concerned about, or do you think young guys can get coached up and step up? I, I think they can get coached up. Are they are they ready to contribute uh, in in game one? That's a that's a big time opponent you're facing week one. Yeah, as we've gotten a little deeper into fall camp, and like you said, we'll hear from Rule today and, and see where where the update is from the last one received we received that room like hopefully hopefully marcus washington is able to get fully back after after getting back from a a, an initial injury and suffering a different one that's a big one um because i kind of looked at him as you know one of the quote-unquote knowns um a guy who maybe was poised to have an even better year than last year And, and last year was was pretty good when you actually sit down and look at it um they really need somebody like Billy Kemp to be good. Uh, I know Rule has mentioned a couple of walk-ons in that room, um, which you know you give the head coach the benefit of the doubt. The guy that the guys that see what these players do every day. That said, you know the past four, five, six years of, of Nebraska have been there've been a lot of walk-on receivers who contributed, mm-hmm. but it's always been one of those things where the room's pretty big. Is it like? Were these recruiting misses? Were they attrition? Were they injuries? Like, what is it? So that, you know, it, it doesn't raise a, a, a red flag, but it at least makes you take note. So I think coming into camp, receiver was probably the, the group with the most to sort out on, on offense, and it hasn't gotten easier, I guess would be the way that I would put that. Mm. Yeah, hey, real quick aside on Anthony Grant, by the way, through the first five games last year, he had 600 of his 915. So he was averaging 120 a game through his first five. 315 total in his last seven for an average of 45. So that's how much of that a cliff that was. 120 yards a game through first five, 45 per game through the last seven. So, wow, falling off a cliff that, like like crazy. Um, yeah. Um, by the way, Eric Eric Francis in on uh, on our comments here. Taking the over on Tristan all day, multifaceted guy Eric, Hale Varsity shooter, photographer, uh, coming in. Noted gambling Cap- expert some- now. Yeah, capture some <laughs> of those stuff, please, sir. Now you, we say that about the receivers about how it seems thin, but at the same time, 
you're rolling into a season with three, at least three, unless I'm forgetting somebody, three proven receivers. I, w- I wouldn't say any of them are superstars, but they're dependable. They're like they're they're solid. They're good, right? They're they're starter level. You, you got, of course, Kemp, um, who's already gotten one of those low numbers. One of the new things that Matt Rule's doing, where you you kind of are awarded um, those those single digit numbers are awarded based on if you earn them. And Kemp is one of those guys already. One of the first four. Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, we saw what he did in Dublin um, before he left, and he was productive at New Mexico before that. And then you got uh, Marcus Washington, who is okay at Texas and was Nebraska's solid number two last year. So that's three dudes all with, you know, they're kind of different. All of them, not a lot of them are, uh, it's like you have three of one body type. You got the little slot guy in Kemp. You got the possession guy in in Washington, you got Garcia Castaneda who can break away. I mean, that's not bad, right? That's that's I, I, a lot of teams don't have that coming into the year. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Garcia Castaneda. I think <clears throat> along with Kim, um, he based on you know where things stood earlier this week with Nebraska's receiver room, I think he becomes like maybe one B in terms of most important guys there. Um, has has played played some good football played one good game at nebraska and then you know things got got weird on multiple fronts you know i'm not just saying for him (laughs) the other thing with him is like i probably this this may have been more dangerous than informative but this week i I spent some time going through the seven uh ten percent lists that nebraska football released going into camp Hmm. garcia castaneda was in five of seven um so he's been a guy who's by this coaching staff's, you know, own internal measures and, and metrics here. Uh, he's been among the top group. Um, he's doing the things I think they want to see him do. And I think that's, you know, going to end up being pretty meaningful when you can add that to what we've seen from him, both, you know, at his previous stop and then in a, a, just a tiny cup of coffee at Nebraska last season. It's Brandon Vogel with us here, a weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, Moonbot calls his shot here in the comment section. He says, uh, excuse me, let's get the right comment up on the screen. Billy the Kid will be second team all-conference. I called it for Palmer last year and got that one. Tell me, Brandon, in your opinion, what type of season will it take from Billy Kemp in order to, to get second team all-conference honors? And I know the, the end-of-season all-conference honors aren't the be-all, end-all of did you have a successful season, but when Moonbot calls his shot, what do you think it'll take for, for Moonbot to be correct? Um, whew. It's tough. I mean, I mean, Trey Palmer was at... was second team all conference last year. And that was a huge season. I mean, it set Nebraska's okay. single season record for most receiving yards in a year, and that got him second team all conference honors. Is that the type of season that's going to be required in the modern college football? Probably. I mean, you just look at Ohio State's wide receiver core and be like, well, there's your there's your two first team all Big Ten wide receivers, um, and you know they'll probably both have over a thousand yards in, in that offense. If you know, th- there's not a huge drop off at quarterback. So Trey at a thousand last year, making second team is useful. Like I was going to say, you might have to get to probably 700 receiving yards and, and boost the touchdown total. Like, I don't know what touchdown total you need. Let's call it eight, nine, probably that might get you there. Um, it obviously depends on what else happens in the big 10. But I think if you're, if you're over 700, 
um, and you're you're over that five, six, seven touchdown mark, like that's that's a second team all conference season. Because if you're making first team all Big Ten um, with some of the guys that are in the league, like you're you're also like all American contention at that point. Well, I mean, with Marvin Harris in the league, we're talking potential Heisman candidacy there. Like that that would be yeah. insane. And, and just a quick follow up to that point, Brandon. Our friends over at Big Red Junkies, they uh, hop in the stream here and ask a question. A prop, as we were talking props just a little bit earlier in the show, Kemp over under 69.5 total catches on this season. Nebraska's wide receiver record is 75. That's that's a really interesting one. Um, that's one where my first thought is going to be to go back to, to Baylor just to see. Jalen Hurd had 69 in 2018 in only 12 games. 69.5 feels like a pretty solid number. Um, I'd probably go under. Um, Same. Yep. But um, just because I don't think if, if they are doing this the way they want to do it, uh, there might be that many catches for him to to have. That said, watching some of Satterfield's South Carolina games recently, like they got really creative with, with how they got guys to football. Brandon Vogel with us here on the weekend edition. Vogue's we are talking about camp and what it will take for that all conference recognition. Say he does that. Who are you going to circle to, uh, to be his co-pilot? What will that do for the other receivers slash tight ends? Are you thinking, okay, if, if Kemp has such a big year, that means Sims has had a big year with his arm that's nice for the offense that translates into points, but you need a, you need a, a tag team partner. So are you going to lean towards IGC as that, that kind of co-pilot? Do you like what uh, maybe you have in, in a guy like Marcus Washington? Do you think Fedoni is lighting it up or, Hey, how about this freshman that made ESPN's top 50 list? In Malachi Coleman, either freshman or transfer impact players, do you lean towards a Coleman or a Jalen Lloyd? I mean, I'm just asking, okay, it's great for, for one guy to, to stand out and, and have a great year, but you also need some help catching the football. Who, who do you like as kind of that, that number two option for Nebraska to also have a big year? Yeah, um, it, it seems to me that – Garcia Castaneda would be my first thought. Like if, if Billy Kemp is going to be like second team, all conference caliber primarily in the slot. Um, the first thought is it, it probably opens up some things on the outside um, for, for one of those other receivers, but you know, beyond another, another pass catcher, what, what that would really say to me is, is probably that Sims was as good and probably better than, than what you hoped and what you needed him to be. Um, and also, you know, this is how football is. It gets complicated quickly. Like it probably means you are pretty effective in, in the run game as well. If, if Billy mm-hmm. Kemp can put up the type of numbers to, to be in contention for second team, all big Ten. So it all, uh, it all kind of fits together that way. But if I had to choose one, I would say, Billy Kemp, we have fast forwarded. He's, he's second team, all big 10. What does, what does that tell you? It, the first thing it would tell me is that Jeff Sims was was what they hoped they were getting. Okay, we got a small sample size with the spring game. That's that's when we've seen the combination of offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield, quarterback Jeff Sims, and what they do in the 
in the throwing game. And I think he only had 13 attempts or something like that. Again, small sample size, but um, he was, he was pretty good over the middle in that short to intermediate stuff. Right. Didn't see, I don't, I don't remember him going up top a ton. Um, maybe he did, but I, I feel like he was hitting guys in stride, like really well, really, really well on that short to intermediate stuff. Is, is that part of Satterfield's game from what you've seen? And he's going to change it because it's this blend of like the Temple and Baylor offense with South Carolina last year and, and all that. But do they take advantage of that? Is it, is it sort of a ball control passing game? Do we expect that? If so, that affects, I think, who you're talking about here. And Marcus Washington all of a sudden enters the chat. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I would agree because that was that was my kind of feeling with Washington last year. Is you know Trey Palmer was like there, we need something to happen. Fine, throw it to that guy. Marcus Washington made a lot of pretty tough catches um, from from what I remember of, of 2022. So watching South Carolina against Clemson and Tennessee, which granted were like item one and item two on Marcus Satterfield's 2022 resume, it may not have been the the fairest look. But it was a lot of that. They did a lot, particularly against Tennessee, of coming out, throwing on first down. Um, a lot of, you know, kind of seven, eight-yard eight yard routes. Just set yourself up in something manageable for um, for second and third downs. And, and then and you know, Rattler's, kind of, Rattler's good at that too, right? Like, yeah, yeah, and as, yep. as, they got, as they got kind of rolling and could consistently be in, you know, advantageous down a distance, they started – things started getting a little bit crazy. There was wide receiver pass. I think there was a quarterback throwback at some point, a um, handful mm. of, of reverses, which, you know, would be somebody that I think Kemp really fits, fits that type of role for, for them. So – yeah, I, I, I do think kind of the controlled passing game, the like, hey, let's let's get through your progression. But, you know, Jeff Sims is, is his four-year quarterback at this point. Like, and if you believe in his arm talent, which we know that they do, like, take take the easy throw. Like, take take the six, seven yards. We'll get our chance to to go downfield if we just keep doing that consistently. Brendan here, uh, before yeah. we get you out, and as we welcome Gary Sharp into this show here, we have a question in from Fred while we're discussing the pass catchers. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the tight end room and Eric Gilbert. We saw some some precedents laid down by the NCAA in this past week about giving uh, an additional waiver for guys who are transferring beyond that one free transfer. And it's not looking good for Eric Gilbert. I feel like maybe from the outside looking in, the coaching staff may feel the same way in terms of Gilbert's eligibility this upcoming season. What kind of feel are you getting? And maybe we'll go to Gary as well in terms of what type of feel he's getting with Eric Gilbert. Yeah, I mean, the, the trend broadly, and I know there are exceptions, seems to be that like athletes really get the benefit of the doubt most of the time with this. And with with Gilbert, you know, we know there were some ex- some unique circumstances to it um, that don't make it like, yeah, this guy's just bounced around. Um, for for no good reason so i kind of entered this thinking he'll probably get it but i think the latest we've been hearing is this may not be done before the season starts which doesn't mean it won't happen during the season but it's just insane the way it was put uh put to one of our reporters is like it's probably just sitting on a desk somewhere in indianapolis and and nobody's gotten to it yet come on man we got fleck coming up and 19 days <laughs> the, the countdown is on the countdown is on sharpie good to see you bud good to see you so uh, on on to add to brandon's point minnesota has a starting defensive back that they're waiting on 
hmm. a defensive back by the name of Craig McDonald, who went to Iowa State and then went to Auburn and is supposed to play a significant amount for Minnesota. They're waiting on his as well. I think, hmm. um, you know, people looked at what happened with North Carolina and Florida State earlier this week on a two-time transfer waiver request that was denied, which if you look at it, you go, come on. But the NCAA, the reason they have this, we're not allowing you to transfer for the second time, because they don't have people to investigate this. You know, if, if somebody says, oh, I'm moving closer to home because mom isn't feeling well, well, they probably have to look into it. They're not looking into these things. And so that was disappointing. But I think from Nebraska's standpoint with Gilbert is there are two things that I'm hearing that are easier to present in a second time transfer. One is if let's say you were abused mentally or physically and you have to transfer to another school. You were at Northwestern. Yeah, Yeah. that that's an automatic you're signed off. The next one is how is your mental health? You know, we looked at the Drew Ott situation and he brought up mental health, but back when Drew Ott was trying to get an extra year at Iowa, mental health was really kind of, eh, now it's like first and foremost, it's part it's of the discussion. And, and so the Nebraska approach, and remember, Nebraska waited a while before they put in this waiver. Nebraska did not put in this waiver until May, um, even though they knew that they would need one once he got on campus. But they have approached it from being at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln, Nebraska, with our resources is better for the mental health of uh, a Eric or a Rick Gilbert on and off the field. Mm. And he's in a better spot here than he was previously. And he's at a comfort level. And that's why that's part of the reason, you know, we believe that we should get a waiver for him to play for the second time. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I agree, you know, of, of the, that it's sitting on a table somewhere. I, I think if you're Nebraska, you would like it to be moved along a little bit further because you have some, yeah. you know, you're, you're at a position group where, they're starting to move Fedoni around. Fedoni is playing in the slot a little bit. So, hmm. you know, they've kind got a flex tight end. Yeah. Okay. So, so they've got a, you know, they don't have a, they don't have a ton of bodies there that you go, oh yeah, that guy will play. So I think Nebraska would like to have a sense of urgency, but we've been in this game long enough, guys. The NCAA isn't saying, uh, we're on Nebraska's clock. No, we're on their clock, unfortunately. And unfortunately for hmm. the young man who, if he's not allowed to play, will stay on the team and they will probably help him get ready for the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll be uh, interesting to see how it plays out. Vogues will uh, get caught up again this week and we're inching closer to Minneapolis, a few storylines and should be pretty interesting post scrimmage today from coach rule. Absolutely. Thanks guys. Have a good weekend. All right. There All right. he is. Brandon Vogel, find him, follow him, read him. Hey, what do, uh, what do you think is going to happen today? At Brandon L. Vogel on, on Twitter's where you find him. I think it's going to be quiet. Is, it's just boring. There's nothing going on. I mean, we're not a hyperactive fan base, are we? No, <laughs> not, not at all. Not at all, because <laughs> it's Friday. And here's, here's okay, Friday we get done with the show. We weren't able to be in Omaha because of weather and timing. So Elijah's in studio. I'm I'm at the kitchen table or the kitchen island doing the show from home. We're supposed to be at Pinnacle Bank Championship. Get done with the show. Have friends come over, and as I'm walking out the door, it's like the bat phone starts going nuts. Elijah and I are virtually huddling. What's going on with the wide receiver room? As there was some question marks about it, 
going back to the beginning of the week when we heard from Coach Rule, just with guys that were that were missing for for normal things, right during a yeah. during a fall camp. And right now, we have spent a hell of a lot of time this morning on prop bets, and <laughs> and who the who's going to be catching you know eighty footballs from Sims today, and who's going to catch fifty right in this passing game. So yeah, welcome to uh, to week uh, two of fall camp. Now I'll say this: you can have you can have some drama through no fault of your own as a football program. Uh, that said, but it just feels like, okay, guys, the control, who's going to put that, whatever the fire is, who's going to put it out? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel all right about Matt Rule being able to, to handle, right? Handle things. And you'll yeah. uh, need to, guys, because we're not far away. Uh, we're not far away from that that momentous opportunity to get to get a win and to get a win in game one for this football program the first time in forever. So Malachi Coleman is back. So that's yes. one that has been questioned. Marcus Washington um, re-injured that hand. Uh, again, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's long-term, like he's not playing against Minnesota, but it's disappointing because here's what's happened in the first two weeks. Because of the lack of bodies and guys moving in and out of availability, their passing game has been a little bit choppy. And, you know, they need a full array. Uh, and, and, you know, Matt Rule, probably the way he has handled things, Xavier Betts is a discussion. He will address it right away. He addressed it the other day when he said he is injured and he doesn't see it as, as long-term. And, you know, all of the rumors are out there. But Rule has done a really good job of being at the front of these things. He doesn't like drama. And he stay. you know, he is more – He's not reactionary. He is proactive. So, you know, that, that'll come up, and I think he has to address it. And, you know, they just they, they got to get some bodies. They got to get some guys. Um, you know, Alex Bullock is, is going to play. And I think he would have played regardless if guys were in and out of the lineup. But they need some stability at that position because they need to start to take a step forward with their passing game. You know, it just can't be Billy Kemp out there every day. Now, Fleeks is back as well. I know that's an, a rumor that is out there, but Fleeks came back after he lost a hundred pounds or whatever. Um, and he is <laughs> yeah. still out there. Yeah. And, uh, he, and he's another veteran presence that you might be able to count on. And we have Washington had a brace on his hand at fan day. Uh, so something that he's, something that he's nursing. Well, and then he had it. Then he came back on Monday and he, he tweaked it again. Uh, okay. So I think either way, like as we're talking about this, and yes, you, you'll probably get some snaps from Ty Han, from Alex Bullock, a couple walk-ons. Um, but either way, it seems like, okay, Xavier Betts is kind of in flux. Washington, who knows about his health. Josh Fleeks is, is, wasn't even allowed to report because he had to lose freaking weight. So at least early on, yeah. it feels like you're probably going to have to thrust a freshman or two into the mix. Or like, sort of, sort of like ready or not, they're going to thrust a couple of those guys in. But are or guys, are you ready for this? Uh, a lot of two tight end sets where Fedoni is a jumbo tight end, like we were just talking about mm-hmm. at the end of the segment with Brandon. Is you're mm-hmm. playing him in the slot, you're playing him as an X, and Borkisher is your what you would in line. Normally, yeah, you're in line, your typical tight end. So mm-hmm. they're doing more of that, and I'm wondering if that is a sign of well. We have to overcome some absences with wide receivers. We've got Fedoni. 
He has stayed healthy. He's a freak. We got to get him on the field and any possibility. And if that means we're using him as a, a jumbo tight end, let's do it and uh, forego a wide receiver because we just don't have enough proven wide receivers to get out there on a continuous basis. And, and let's not and, also forget And then you mix in a Ramir. And I, I was going to throw in another guy from the backfield, Mark. Uh, Jenneran Bonner, former wide receiver, now Ooh. playing fullback. Yeah. Bonner Ooh. is another guy. Now, I, I sarcastically, Elijah, I'm glad you brought him up. I brought him up earlier this week. Um, have any of he now he's still with the team because I've I've seen him, but you remember when we talked about him a lot in the spring? Yeah. I don't know that his name has been brought up since the spring. Hmm. I I think I saw it once or twice. I know what you're saying though. It's not nearly like it was. This is what I'm I'm trying to because he's working. He's working with tight ends and fullbacks. Right. He's that yeah, H-back. His last time he was brought up was when Satterfield talked because there was the fullback focus and, you know, how are some of the other fullbacks fitting in? But it's been a couple of weeks, right? Seven to ten yeah. days. I think he's a, like. guy, yeah. he's a guy I think you want to keep quiet because I don't think they're going to play him like a traditional fullback. If you're getting the media in there yeah. and you're hmm. showing your traditional fullbacks, you bring in Bonner once game one starts and use him in a completely different way, like a wide receiver yeah. playing fullback could surprise some teams. I think he's a, he's a guy to keep an eye on in terms of a pass-catching option physical. for this Husker football team in the fall. And he's physical, too. He's, he's pretty well put together. He came in already pretty physically mature from day one. Um, so he could, I think he could handle it physically. I think you can demand a lot out of him and move him around a lot. Gary Sharp is with us, uh, weekend edition. So, Sharpie, you laid out this picture of a choppy passing game because of uh, missing and availability, right? Who yeah. who are they? Who are they working on? Let's go to the run game with who's available on the offensive line. Uh, how are you feeling about the offense two weeks away from Minnesota? Uh, well, I, I I don't you know. I, I, I don't think you're gonna have Teddy for the first game. Um, okay, no. so that means is, is, is Nuri gonna be back, or well, is he just? So I I don't know. You know, when we had uh, availability the other day, and he was off to the side in a green jersey, he was dressed in full pads. It wasn't like Teddy. Like guys, how would you like to be out of the lineup? Everybody knows who you are. The media come in to watch practice, and they stare at you riding a stationary bicycle. I mean, and you're seven feet yeah, tall. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Teddy looks already <laughs> uncomfortable, and people are like. All right. Is his knees going up and down? Okay. Um, you know, I think Noelle is just uh, just a ding. Um, but, sure. but here's the situation. It actually may work out pretty well. Because, again, you know, we're, Ben Hart and Corcoran are on the ends. And, you know, they're very polarizing guys. They've got Third-year be, starters at this point. They've got to yeah. be good. I mean, that's the – Matt Rule, Donovan Raiola are, are banking on those two guys. I will tell you interior interior guys and take out Ben Scott because I think Ben Scott's going to be a blessing for this offensive line. We could have a rotation because I think on opening day, Piper and Lutovsky are your starting guards. But yep. Noelle is in there. But you're going to have three guys that can rotate. Um, and then once you get Teddy back, you could have four guys. I really believe for the first time in a while, we're going to have a true rotation on that offensive line. And we haven't had that. Um and I think that's what they want to do. And I think they're at a level where they're comfortable. But, you know, if there's one thing about Minnesota, and I truly believe, guys, that the Minnesota 2023 and the Nebraska 2023, in terms of top to bottom, are not that far apart compared to the pre- a couple of previous years. 
Um, Minnesota's defensive line I really like, but they didn't do a good job of getting home last year. They just created a lot of stalemates. So that offensive line for Nebraska is going to have to be good, you know, in what, 19 days. Um, but I, I think I feel a little bit better about the offensive line than I did maybe coming out of spring. Okay. Well, Gary, it's, 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 the, uh, it's the one position experience matters everywhere, but more so on the offensive line than at any other position, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and when you look at the, the, uh, there's, approximately seven, maybe eight guys that are in the mix. You mentioned Prohaska being out. You mentioned New Willys, maybe nursing something right now. Latovsky's the only guy that doesn't have significant either playing or starting experience. Everybody else, I mean, we, we give, you know, Ben Art and, and Corcoran crap, but they've had, you know, two different offensive coordinators, two different offensive yeah. lines. They were thrust into action a lot earlier than probably they should have been. Corcoran's probably even playing out of position. Um, I mean, th- this is going to be their third year anchoring yeah. the tackle position with some continuity, at least of the offensive line coach. So that's good. Ben Scott obviously has started multiple years um, at, in, at the power five level, and he's trimmed down. Uh, and then Ethan Piper for, from all reports. I mean, Matt rules, not bringing you to big 10 media days because he yeah. thinks you're a bum. Well, and remember right? he got, he was one of the guys that got selected for a single-digit number, but as an offensive lineman, yep. you know, he can't. And, and, and you remember how he came on late last year. Yep. He was a bit of a mess early in his career, but yep. he came on late last year, and he, he was really good. He was pretty productive. He's a guy you could slide into center if you need to. Um, so I, I, I agree with you from that standpoint of like, are, are we talking that this is the 94 pipeline? No. No. But do you have – a lot of experienced, proven guys to choose from. Hell yeah. yeah. Don't you guys believe also? So Matt Rule has put it out there. I mean, he came with the line the other day. This is the offensive line coach I've been waiting for. And you, and everybody around here goes, whoa. Now, Donnie looks different. <laughs> Donnie is never going to be a guy that's going to talk for 15 minutes. He talks for four and a half minutes in front of the media and we're good. But he looks like a guy that finally – the, the, the boss on his shoulder believes in him. Guys, where I'm starting to think, okay, they like what they're seeing with their offensive line. They're running a lot of 22 personnel. When was yeah. the last time Nebraska ran 22 personnel? They couldn't trust their offensive line. If you're actually going to run that and line up and do it again and again and again, that tells me you're trying to give an identity to that offensive line or you like that that offensive line is at least sound enough that you could run 22 personnel and and gain significant yardage. Sharpie, you don't roll that out there unless you are from a from a mentality standpoint yeah. nasty and and a that nasty part b that physicality. You better be able to kick someone's ass if you're going to go 22. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, now but how much of the I guess the ultimate question is how much of this is them believing in that versus Straight up establishing, <laughs> like establishing the identity of just saying, this is what we're going to be. This is what we're going to do. We got to get used to it. Here we go. Whether we're good at it or not. <laughs> right. Like yeah. you just don't know. Well, you there, just don't know. there is one thing I, I, you know, Matt rule from day one, along with Satterfield that said, we're going to run the football. It's one thing to say that. What do you do as an action to prove that? Mm-hmm. And, Every practice that has been open or even practices where 
high school coaches have gone to, or here in the first two weeks of camp, I get the same thing back. Man, they are committed to running the football. They run the Good. football a lot in practice. Now, yeah. you wonder when oh, they – you run the ball back. haters. Oh, you run yeah. the ball haters from the last decade. Where you Well, at? you know, where the you whole at? key is – the exactly. whole key with the running game is not only be efficient, but be able to run the football when you want to, not when you have to. You know, mm-hmm. when you want to run the football, you run the football and you have success. Instead of, oh, my God, we're forced into running the football, and now at third down and two, our better option is – having Sims roll out or some play action or something. So it's an identity, but I do give them credit. They said they were going to do it from day one, and their actions in practice before they turn the scoreboard on have kind of led you to believe that they aren't messing around. They do want to run the football, and they understand the importance of running the football with this roster. Gary, we talk about running the football and the importance of this offensive line making a jump, but when we talked to Brandon Kinney earlier this week on our show, he was mentioning the fact I asked him, What's the most important skill for a wide receiver to have in the Big Ten? And he said blocking. Do, do we think that – I mean, I don't want to underplay the importance of the offensive line and the rushing attack because they are probably the most important position group there. But how important are the wide receivers in developing a strong rushing attack in order to go block those safeties and linebackers and give your running back some options beyond the first level? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of yeah, – we always think about, remember, the wing back. You know, Nebraska back then in the 90s didn't catch the football a lot or throw the football a lot, but their wide receivers were always nasty down the field. Like Ron Brown would preach that over and over and over about wide receivers downfield just knocking guys out. No, I think it's a, a key point, and I, and I think you'll see that on the edges of helping out with the run game in terms of blocking. Like I'm very curious to watch a guy like Billy Kemp. You know, one thing yeah. that has caught me a little bit off guard as we've gotten to get closer to the players and see things – Billy Kemp is not that big of a guy. I mean, no. I know he's listed at 5'9". He's a tiny no. guy, but he's pretty stout. So mm-hmm. he's the guy that I'm like, man, him on the edge blocking, is he going to wipe out a defensive back? No, I think that's always always going to be a part of, of the wide receiver group. But also, I will say this. I think with this group of wide receivers and the way that the conference is going to, to cornerbacks who will maul you and try and tie you up, getting off the ball is going to be a huge thing. Creating separation. I mean, Trey Palmer not only had magnificent speed to create separation, but there were times where he did a good job of when a DB was right on top of him, outside of Witherspoon at Illinois, who ate him up, he was able to create separation by things that he did. And I think that'll be another key thing with this group of wide receivers is they're fast, but remember, Big Ten, there's some really good cornerbacks that are out there. How do you create separation that doesn't always involve speed? Mm-hmm. Gary Sharp is with us. A couple say, minutes left here. Go ahead. I'll throw in a thought here. Great way to create separation without just using speed. Play action. You got a, a wide receiver running directly at a cornerback, and the corner doesn't know if he's going to come try to take my head off blocking or if he's going to try to burn me 60 yards deep. Just a thought there. If, you, <laughs> if you're able to, to have the threat of, you know what, I'm going to come take this guy's head off in the running game, that corner is going to think twice. That safety is going to yeah. think twice whenever they're running at you, whether or not you're going to be blocking them or going deep. Just, just a thought. Yeah. Again, that's, that's, some, that's, some, that's some future Nebraska sportscaster of the year stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right there. Again. Look at Elijah. In, in company <laughs> of a pair of them. Hey, he's all going to go. of a pair hey, of them. You know, and then just imagine if Nebraska gets back to running that waggle play with the quarterback and the little play action. I love me some waggle. I mean, it's so good. It's so good. Sharpie, we were talking about these props, and I want to get a little more specific. If you're to to pick 
if you're to pick kind of a, a game wrecker in a positive way for Nebraska football, who who is it going to be? You have a choice between a Sims, a Kemp, uh, a Grant. I mean, go there for me. Who's your who's your guy on offense? And then defensively, who are you picking for Nebraska to kind of lead the way for them uh, in this three three five? Give me one name each way. Thomas Fedoni, Malcolm Hartzog. Really? Okay. That's ex- dude. That's that's so funny you say it. I was exactly there with you, especially defense. So what you're talking about are who are the out of system guys? Yep. Who are the guys that give you a plus? You know, just kind of comes out of nowhere and just like makes the play that maybe wasn't yeah. designed like that. Yeah, those are probably the hey. two. Once Fedoni gets running, fools, he generates guys. so much momentum. Guys, like it's he, he will suck to tackle once he, he gets. I going. can't wait. Again, everything is predicated on his health. I can't wait for people to see him healthy because physically that is a that looks like an NFL tight end with his body. He just hasn't played a lot of football. I'm telling you, everything I've heard in the first two weeks of practice, when Fedoni touches the football, there are things that are happening. Let me ask you one quick question before we get back to the props, because I'm curious on the three of you on this. Are we all in agreement that the best, the, the, the strongest part – not only just offensively or defensively in this program right now, the position group that is a position of strength is defensive backs, right? Yeah. We agree with that. The number. Yeah. Yeah. Can Nebraska be effective on defense? If the best part of your defense is the back end. Yeah. But it's going to be your, I mean, use your strengths, right? Shake your moneymaker. And, and they can be, because they've got the numbers, they've got this, unique defense and they've got guys that that have played quite a bit it's just a you know what's the drop off they they have strength in numbers but what do we have behind some of these perceived starters what what's the, what are the number what's the rotation look like how quality is that that's that's yeah. my question and i'll, I'll also well, hit you with the, i mean you're, you're going to have five defensive backs out there so i think i'm exactly gonna... Just throwing that out there. It's like but, half your defense. But it's it's the question yeah. to me if can Nebraska's be defense defense be strong if your back end's the strongest? Does that mean that the rest of your defense is therefore weak? Or can you have passable defensive lines and linebackers and then a strong secondary? I mean, I think you can get by on that, but if it's a secondary that's blitzing from all over the place trying to make up for linebackers exactly. and defensive line that are getting mauled yep. in the Big Ten, now you're running into issues. And I think that's the question there. Well, it's a secondary centric defense. Right? You have three levels. You have D-line, linebackers, defensive back. Five of your 11 are DBs. So they're, they're going to be impacting the game just, you know, by law of, like, averages, like math. <laughs> they, yeah. They're going to have to. Right? So you're and, – and then if you think about the proven commodities that they have there, hey, I'll take Gifford, Newsom, and Hartzog all day. Yep. Right? And that, that's three dudes that are bona fide that you know are, are going, to, going to make some hay. And you just got to find a couple more, and you have like fourteen guys to choose from. I mean, it's just you yeah. know, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't see any way that they're not uh, a a almost a focal point of the defense, a focal point. They're, they're going to be moving them. around. They're going to be yeah, but they're going to be moving around. They're going to be blitzing. They're going to be coming off the edge. They're going to be just you know, they're going to be running zone. They're going to be mixing in man. They're the the whole defense is predicated on creating confusion and chaos and the dbs are a key key part of that 
key part of that. You're looking for those tweener guys like a Gifford, right? Um, so yeah, I I love I I love that. Is that going to be effective against a Michigan? <laughs> that I yeah. you know is is any defense effective against Michigan though? At the same time, right? I don't know if you can blame the three three five as much as it's just like you know Michigan's got it going. Yeah, there it's 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 a luxury to have, but I mean, and it it would be great to have all three levels are some of your best, but it, it can't be that way for a long time. I mean, eventually the three guys up front, regardless if you play a three three five or a three four, eventually Nebraska has to get to the one of the strongest position groups are the guys that put their hand in the dirt and affect the line of scrimmage right away. Speaking yeah. of that, one guy. Up the middle. Yeah. Oh crap! Did I? I just intercept your. Uh, I just. I just pulled a heart zog and intercepted your uh, prop bet <laughs> comment there, Chris. Just real quick, you we mentioned uh, Janier and Bonner, who uh, you know made some hay in the spring game, but you haven't heard a lot about him since. There's another guy, AJ Rollins. Mm. Remember they moved him to defensive end, and he was he played some good snaps, you know. And yeah. he's athletically, he's got kind of the profile you're looking for. Haven't heard a peep about uh, him at all. So he was. Schmitty, were you there there the other day? I was there. I did not oh. get there Friday, but I was so there he was week. he was running, um, he was running with the ones and the twos. I mean, their their whole okay, goal. Okay, another guy they're hiding. Well, now they're hiding them. They're saving them. Now, in now, now, there's two things here. Well, let me finish about AJ. Um, they, they want to play seven to nine guys. So mm-hmm. the you know the the seventh guy may only play five snaps, but they want to yeah. get to that point. There's there is the part of guys that aren't mentioned if if they're not solicited by a question position coaches probably won't go there so right. maybe now that we're through two weeks a bonner and a rollins name will will come up um but he is he's working with like the twos um i think aj okay, will so he's in the mix yeah he aj will find a spot i think they really really want their three up front to play a significant amount you know, is Nash Huttmacher, have, have they got him to a spot where he can give you 40 to 45 snaps, you know, yeah. instead of he can only give us 20 and we have to pick and choose, but the 20 is out there. He's really, really effective. I think they want to get those guys to 40 to 45 to maybe even 50 plus snaps, but then work in some other guys. I, I do believe we we're talking about offensive line rotation. I, I think, I think because they're going to have to, they're going to have to rotate guys up front. I mean, Terrence Knighton wants that to happen. Um, and I think Tony White says, yeah, with what we're going against and to keep guys fresh, we've got to be able to rotate and we got to be able to play six, at least six solid defensive linemen where at the end of the day, we're comfortable with that. And it's not like we're just grasping at straws. Here's, here's what it, it looks like, I believe. And, and then we got to fill in the, the blank, so to speak, Sharpie and yeah. see what you think of this, but you've got Nash, you've got Ty and, I think Coach White's got two guys in the middle there that he's not had at previous stops. He's not had guys on the interior that size, so that's a plus for him to kind of clog up that up the middle uh, running that other teams want to do. You have Judy in there. The question to me is, uh, what do you get from from Gunnarsson? Because he looks good. He's reshaped a bit, but – 
we've not seen a lot of snaps from him. He's a guy to to supplement some of those snaps you're talking about. Can he hang on the line with his hand in the dirt? And then what what's truly the progress of a name we've heard a lot about here the last week, and that's Ruquan Buckley, a yeah. guy that's been in the program for a while. So to me, when we want to talk about defensive line success, you need your three, Judy, Polar Bear, Robinson, to be really, really good and stay healthy. And then you need a Buckley, a Rollins, some of your young guys, one of your one of your three young guys that you're excited about to come in and make some splash plays. They have options. We just don't know again about that second wave. They also have options in a defense where some of these guys may just simply benefit because what they're asked to do is completely different from last year. They're not supposed to clog up lanes or clog up a gap or be a you know a traffic cone. They actually get to it. They actually get to attack. And so they're, th- they're one gap. They're one gap yeah, scheme up front. Yeah. I I think that benefits a guy like Hutmacher. You know, they can mm-hmm, they can sure. the the defensive lineman can move forward and attack instead of trying to create a stalemate. And they also don't have to. I mean, they can just go out and play. Now, the defense is a work in progress because you can't just not think and go make plays. You know, you got to be aware of all right. Where's your help out? Uh, especially if you're on that second level. But I think the guys up front will benefit from, hey, just go play ball. You know, go ball out. Go attack. Move forward. You don't have to just create something and keep linemen off linebackers. You know what? You guys get a chance to make a play. And a guy like Hutmacher, I think you will see that will benefit him more than what they tried to ask him last year. And also, it's curious to me, I know Tony White spoke yesterday, if they start to, you know, they went all in on putting the defense in. And there are some guys that are swimming in it because you ha- there's not as many checks as the Chenander defense, but you got to be aware again of where your help is and some certain things. I wonder as we get closer to Minnesota, if the retention, if they kind of cut it back a little bit and we don't see, I don't think we will truly see the three, three, five all the time. I think they will adjust yeah. a little bit. I think we'll see some three, four, that kind of stuff, maybe even some four, yeah. three, so yep. we'll look at it and go, where'd the three three five go? Well, it's not always every down three three five. So that's the next thing to watch into week three of practice that we start to hear of the defense is making some subtle adjustments on using their personnel to the best of their ability. Gary Sharp is with yeah. us here. And Gary, before we get you out of here, I know we're up against it, but we've talked offense. We've talked defense. And you get one special team stop from you, something that was hotly contested with Mark, Brandon, and I a little bit earlier in the show. Tristan Alvano, over or under 18 and a half field goals made in the 2023 season, assuming he's the Wow. Star. 18 and a half. For a freshman. Um, <laughs> that should just Gary, say we no got, we got, under. We got some interesting total field goal numbers for Nebraska yeah. dating back to 09. But let, let's, let's just hear where you're at here. Under. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right because when you look back, so when we were talking initially, Elijah was like, what? You get two field goals a game, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, two field goals, of course. And so that equals 24. Nebraska hasn't had 24 field goals made since 09. Alexander. That was Henry. That was putrid offense that you had to kick field goals because yeah. they but got okay. inside the red zone so, and they couldn't so score. To Elijah's point, I, I think – you know, if you need points with this offense, like I, I'll be curious to see. I, I think I have a pretty good handle on what they're going to do between the 20s. But what is a – we haven't really got into red zone. What Satterfield, his pet plays will be in the red zone, what they can do. Um, 
because we've seen a hodgepodge the last few years of what they do in the red zone and forgetting about guys like Austin Allen and big tight ends and the fade in the corner of the end zone. Um, the, the, the faith in a field goal kicker, though, could change how they call plays as they get closer to the red zone. If they feel yeah. confident in, in Alvano uh, or Bleak Road, but I, I'm going to go with Tristan because I think he's going to win the job, you know, you could maybe see a lot more field goal attempts you know, knowing that, hey, we got to, no matter what, we got to get points on the board. So here's three. But that is wild to think that you got to go back to 09 when they had 24 or more. It does yeah. says, say something about the offense. They weren't able to put the ball in the end zone, but at least they were able to put points up. And Gary, uh, Gary uh, Brandon sort of looked it up and said, if you're at 19 field goals, that's yeah. kind of like the cutoff. If you're at 19, yeah. you're top 20 in the country, basically. Yeah. Which seems, seems low. You would yeah. think that would be a much higher number, but it's not. If you're at 19, <laughs> your top 20 in the country. So essentially what Vegas is setting yeah. the line at is Nebraska being top 20 in the nation yeah. in the kicking game. Well, and it, it all comes back down to trust. If you start if you start getting towards the end zone and you're in the red zone, you're calling plays, you always have in the back of your mind, okay, we want this to end up as six, but we don't want it to end up as zero because we don't have the football. Remember, we got a guy, if we have to get to fourth down, we have a guy that we're confident enough from 35 in is going to put it through the post, you know, and that changes as a play caller when you're starting to, you know, sometimes you got to, if you don't have a very good place kicker, you're starting to gamble and you're starting to get out of your element. And all of a sudden you get willy nilly and you put your quarterback in a position and the ball is on the turf or in the hands of somebody else. And you don't ever have a chance to bring that place kicker off the field. So I do sense from Foley that he likes Alvano. He likes bleak road. Um, and that's going to be a great competition. A week from today, we will know who the starting place kicker is. They want to give them um, one week out who is going to be the kicker for the opening game. Well, give me 11-on-11 11 11 football and stress <laughs> the defense with my my dual-threat quarterback when I'm in the red zone. That's all hey, I'm saying. Hey, I know there's a – there's a, has there been the prop out there of how many punts Nebraska will return this year? Ooh. You want to – I want the fair catch number. How many fair catches will be signaled for? Ooh. Uh, it's, because you have a guy, Nebraska has a guy that has done this before. So Billy Kemp's going to be your punt return guy. He's been doing it for four years at Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he has always been Mr. Fair Catch. No. You know? I mean, you look at, go back to last year and the year before, just the pure numbers of punts that Nebraska returned. We we know because we have had long discussions about Oliver Martin with the terrible. fair catch. Yeah, they've not put them in a position to succeed. Well, isn't it sad yeah, that I... my criteria for a successful punt returner this year is just don't screw it up, kid. Go out there, just don't <laughs> screw it up. I don't care if you give one or average one yard per return this year. Just don't put the ball on the turf. Just don't <laughs> screw it up. Get it to the offense. And that's not what special teams really should be for your team. It should be a chance to go make an explosive play and give yourself some momentum. But I'm just sitting here. Don't screw it up, please. Dude, no, but no, that's but see, that's the Scott Frost mentality because listen to this. 2014, Bo's last year. How many returns did Nebraska attempt? Now keep in mind DPE was there when he was a freshman and he was awesome. Well, he, he uh, wore many? out he wore out Michigan State and he wore out Iowa. So that was but, but, three there were six returns right in there in those two games. I'm gonna av- I'm gonna say they, it's probably they, average three a game, so thirty-six to forty-five. You're, yeah, 39 returns, and you got 620 wow. yards out of that, yeah. right? Right? 
for a guy who also scores. for also a guy that outside of Kirk Ferentz in fourteen, everybody kicked to or tried to avoid. I shouldn't now, say kick now, to avoid Iowa. Iowa was weird that game, and they kicked to him, which made no sense. Now let's go to twenty twenty two. Go to last year. How many returns did Nebraska attempt? It's uh, eleven. Ludicrous. Five. Yeah. Five. And one of those, listen to this. <laughs> one of those is uh, Chris Kolarovic, who probably just got some pooch, you know, and just returned it like 11 yards. Um, so five attempts versus 39. Dude, I mean, think about that. That is like such yeah. a, such a uh, ridiculous difference in philosophies. Where does Rule and and Foley land on that? My, it see, it sounds like, anyways, they're going to lean much more heavily to the bow style, where it's like, hey, we're going to try to get something out of this. Like, well, they play, they play. Frost just waved the white flag the whole time. And I don't know what you know. You play simple math. I mean, sorry to keep bringing this up, but To would always talk about the percentages. If you return a kickoff past the twenty yard line, or you don't return it past the twenty yard line, what happens in the ensuing series? He would do the same thing with a punt return i mean you have to play the math and why handcuff yourself you know why not give yourself the best mm -hmm. advantage to start a drive in positive territory there's a lot i want to bring back from the osborne days but there are two (laughs) things in particular the bike shorts don't get enough play no the one not those uh draft it depends (laughs) depends. yeah that that would help too number one number 15 uh i'm talking about in terms of like rules five yeah, rules approach, you know, like like philosophy wise. So fair catching was banned. Nobody fair caught. No one ran out of bounds did either. Not, it, and that was the second one. It the only time you were permitted to run out of bounds was to save clock. Other than that, doesn't matter if you're a quarterback, receiver, punt returner, running back. Running out of bounds was yeah. disallowed, <laughs> and you got docked for it. And you got you got. Uh, you know, um, like in trouble for it. You got disciplined for running. Like just those two things alone, how many extra yards do you think they picked up just based off of those two rules alone, let alone the mentality that that uh, imparts on the team? Bring that back along with 55 and 98 and 15 (laughs) and 30 and one. And yes, please bring all those guys back too. Sharpie, we will say fare thee well, and we're inching closer yeah. to Minneapolis. Should be fun. Have yeah, yourself a weekend. I will. Right. I think uh, Rule talks today, and I think the guys are in the stadium today. Yeah. Doing a scrimmage, yeah. so. That's yeah. awesome. Gary, appreciate you, brother. Hey, thanks, thanks for guys. the time, man. All right. Good yeah. stuff uh, with Gary Sharp, Brandon Vogel. Big thanks to Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. We'll be and back hey, at you Monday. Don't forget, let's thank everyone who's in the stream. Great comments in today. Really well, yeah, us out it was good. Saturday oh, yeah, morning. it was good. I'm not sure Look, if you guys Everybody's getting this. in. There's, they're in preseason mode. You know, like, they are. Right. They are yeah. in preseason mode makes these Saturday morning shows a little bit easier, but we appreciate you guys chiming in. We want to talk about what you want to talk about. So thank you, everybody, joining us via stream, chiming in giving us some uh, some assists on our preparation for this Saturday morning. So you yeah. guys the best. It's all it just, good. It we'll just be... sucks that we know we're only a few weeks away from really sad shows with Nebraska losing. Oh, don't <laughs> <say> it. <laughs> like, it, it'll, it'll, it'll be sad. Don't go it'll, there. It'll be, it'll be different. There'll be some happy Saturdays. <laughs> There'll be some happier uh, Mondays, I think. So we'll be back uh, at you Monday at 4 on Hale Varsity. Take care.